52 years later, after the industrialization of agriculture, America's farmlands lie disconnected from most human life they once sustained. The distance from rural America to people it feeds is vast. As urbanization has grown into human epicenters, rural America has slid into devastating poverty. Once thriving family farms are gone and forgotten. Once thriving economic agricultural workforce has diminished. The Nixon administration tapping of Earl Butts to be the Secretary of Agriculture began the annihilation of the family farm. As Dr. Butts said, get big or get out. Getting big has resulted in getting out, causing the massive chasm between humans and land. But as Mr. Butt's worthy adversary, Wendell Berry said, to cherish what remains of the earth and to foster its renewal is our only legitimate hope of survival. I'm Joey Bland, and from Circle O Productions, this is Seasons. It's one thing to talk about challenges, like the disappearing of the family farm and the disconnection between land and people, but it's actual progress if you can imagine a way to address both issues at once. That's what today's guest, Carter Malloy, has been able to do by founding AcreTrader, the land investing platform that reconnects people to land. Today, I'm in Fayetteville, Arkansas, on the downtown square, sitting on the second floor of a turn of century brick building with a view looking west to Old Main. Carter, we all wanna learn more about AcreTrader and this fast growing startup that you are leading but I'm a context guy. So would you mind backing up and give us some insights into your background with land? Like, where did the connection to land begin for you? Growing up, it was always a sense of place for me, right? I, I was born in Stuttgart, Arkansas, in a small, small town. Uh, grew up split between Stuttgart and Little Rock. So I went to school in Little Rock in the, in the big, big city of Little Rock, uh, but spent my childhood you know, dreaming about going to the farm on the weekends. Wow. So yeah, it was a sense of place, right? It's it's a uh, an opportunity to get away and to be outside and uh, do all the things you associate with with doing out in the country. Yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. So you were back and forth between the city and then Stuttgart. Now Stuttgart, tell us a little bit about that area. Um, the Arkansas, Arkansas, Eastern Arkansas is very interesting to me because I'm in Memphis. So when you cross that bridge, you get into the Delta. It's very flat my soul kind of opens up <laughs> and then you cross over Crowley's Ridge and then you're into the prairie. And most people don't really understand that, but talk about that area because it's really known for a couple of things in particular. Yeah. The Grand Prairie is well known for one being a great place to farm and grow things. And two is being a great place to shoot things. So in particular, Stuttgart uh, is the known as the duck hunting capital of the world. Uh, we grow a lot of rice and we harvest a lot of ducks. Yeah. Yeah. 
I've had some great times over there, and I love that area. So this connection that you had to the land, I'm assuming uh, there was a lot of family time spent there. And, I mean, if you don't mind, share a little more personally about, like, what type of, of farm did, did y'all have? What, what type of uh, machinery were you around or crops that you saw? What, what was the connection to those? Yeah, we grew the things you grow in that area, which tends to be uh, beans, soybeans, cotton, and rice. And we later, uh, later in life for me, grew, grew corn. Mm. Uh, more and more so, but pretty much, uh, and so now less less cotton as well, more, more, like lots of rice, lots of beans. Yep. And equipment, like, look, there's the combine, and that's always fun to be a part of and get out on, on big stuff, but man, a four-wheeler, a three-wheeler for that matter, uh, which were super <laughs> You're really dangerous. dating yourself by <laughs> saying a three-wheeler. Highly, uh, highly dangerous there. But a lot of fun as a kid. You know? Yeah. So that that's really... Uh, when, I, when I think about being there and, and what I enjoyed about the country, the, the activities, yeah, wildlife is obviously a big part of it. Fishing is a big mm. part of it. But, uh, man, riding on uh, ATVs, I guess you'd call them now, but riding around on a four-wheeler and shooting guns was what it was all about for me. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a pretty good childhood. So um, growing up, split between Stuttgart, Little Rock, then where are you going from there? You're, you're graduating high school, I guess, and then and where where from there? Yeah, I went to Little Rock Central High and graduated high school there. Came up here to Fayetteville, uh, so moved up here. I looked around quite a bit at other schools and going out of state and realized that I wanted to live here for the rest of my life because I hmm. love it here, and so therefore I just wanted to go to college in state. So came here to Fayetteville and uh, had the time of my life. Yeah, yeah. Well, what a great town. Fayetteville, if you've never been here, is is a truly one of the best college towns in the country. It's beautiful. Um, there's a ton of outdoor activities here. Um, this area, I mean, talk a little bit about this area because this is really, really unique. Um, small towns, there's a combination of towns, and then there's quite a lot of commerce going on here. That there is. We have a Fortune One company here, uh, be it, that being hmm. Walmart. So, so yeah, the university is here, about 30,000 students, which has doubled since I came to school here. Wow. Uh, Walmart, Tyson, J.B. Hunt would be the big corporate anchors in this area, the area being Fayetteville, Rogers, Springdale, Bentonville. So four, four towns. Uh, each of them is, call it 70,000 people, 50,000, 100,000 people uh, combined, including all the surrounding areas, about a half a million person MSA, and it's growing like crazy. So it's a really great place to live, really great place to raise a family. It's beautiful, lots of hiking, lots of out, you know, floating rivers, lots of outdoor stuff to do. So a uh, really lovely place to live. Wow, that's amazing. And then going back to college, um, what did you study in college? Ultimately, I graduated with a degree in physics. I, I hopped around a little bit. I huh. went to business school for a while. And uh, I pre-med initially, then business. Then I realized I didn't want to do that. Business school, and I... I uh, got a really bad grade in accounting and <laughs> realized that wasn't for me either. And I, I love the the problem solving of physics. I'd taken mm. some intro courses and uh, thought, why not? I'll go, go swing at that. At that time, I knew I was always going to work for myself. I just, my mom was an entrepreneur, dad's a farmer, and uh, knew that I was always going to be uh, working for myself. That did not turn out to be the case. But, but in my mind, it's like, oh, I'm just going to go study what I want to. And worst case, uh, you know, I'll have a, an interesting degree at least to get my foot in the door and have a, a conversation somewhere. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's interesting. Well, a little bit off the track, but in college, um, interesting jobs that you had? Anything that uh, is kind of interesting and you think back on and, and kind of get a good chuckle out of now? Oh, yeah. My my parents were always very much, uh, you're going to you know earn, earn your own way and you're going to work. So had jobs all through high school and college. Uh, usually ended up me working in a kitchen. So flipping, <laughs> flipping burgers, making pancakes, that kind of stuff. Uh, then worked this place called Grubs here in town, college bar. And I was always big into music. So I learned that what the sound guy made each night, uh, the, the sound mm. engineer. So that's the guy turning the knobs to make the music, that make the band sound right. Yeah. Uh, so the vocals and the guitar are the right levels. And so I had a keen interest in that and uh, in engineering in general. So learned how to do that and got paid to basically hang out in my favorite bar every night and work there. So that was a really, really fun job. Wow. So I think the rumor is that uh, you do have a hidden talent. Maybe it's not hidden now, but of DJing. And I think maybe we're seeing some of the roots of that possibly from college. Is that correct? That's correct. So I, in, in college, played music, uh, practiced every day. And was big into guitar at the time since fall in love with drums and, and piano uh, with, with kids. But I practice every day. I love, love music. Just one of those things I've always been obsessed with. So actually touring in a band after college uh, for a couple of years. And spent, wow. spent time living, you know, uh, living the life of a very, very poor musician. Yeah. But I, I absolutely loved it dur- during and after college. And so later years, you know, as I got a, a real job that was demanding 60, 80 hours a week of me, didn't have time for band practice uh, with a group of people, but I did enjoy producing music, and so yeah. got into that, uh, got into that world a little bit. Wow, wow! So, do you keep your music? Um, you're pretty diversified <laughs> with piano, drums, guitar. Um, you keep that going now. I'm assuming maybe that's a good escape from work and maybe even family at times. <laughs> After the kids go to bed, I usually practice. So last yeah. night, a good example. Last night, I spent about 30 minutes uh, split between. Uh, guitar and and drums it just it's it is my escape it's, it's a creative pursuit and something that I, I really enjoy doing wow that's great uh, that's a that's a great aspect I think all of us have these creative sides and often it's amazing how you grow older and you kind of lose those um, just the demands of work the demands of life family whatever it is that you're involved in and so it's great to hear how you're uh, continuing um, tapping into that and just that well-rounded person. Um, and you, you have on your flow, right? Like, yeah. like it's not, as long as you're committed to the, for me, the, the idea is being committed to the creative process. So, mm. so today as an example, I don't produce much if at all. And 20 years ago, that was all I did. Uh, Fun, fun fact, I got to spend a few weeks in Outcast Studios Wow! Uh, in, in Atlanta, Georgia. And so really, really intensely focused on production. But now that is not something that, uh, it, it's just really, really time consuming. So not something I get to do, but it, to me, it doesn't really matter. It's just that, that idea of getting in a headspace where you can be creative and have fun. Yep. Yeah. What a great outlet. I love it. Um, kind of transitioning a little bit to professional life. Um, tell me a little, where did you start? Like you graduate from Arkansas and where, where do you go from there? So I had a, a few small businesses out of school. So the primary one, well, had an auto mechanic business did not go great. Had, a, <laughs> had an internet business that was an absolute uh, 
dumpster fire and had one business that worked really well. So this was all kind of at the same time and while I was touring, right? So it's like, hey, can I find a business uh, that can support my music habit huh. uh, of going on the road and eating ramen? And the business that, that worked pretty well was converting diesel motors to run on vegetable oil, right? So you've heard of wow. biodiesel. The idea of biodiesel is you take vegetable oil and you thin it out uh, with some basic chemicals. So vegetable oil has very similar uh, like cetane characteristics to diesel. So it's going to burn in a similar way, right? You put in a diesel motor, high compression ignites the, ignites the oil. So you can thin it out with chemicals or you can thin it out with heat. Hmm. So we would install systems, uh, fuel systems on cars and trucks, tractors, all kinds of stuff to uh, basically take old used vegetable oil from restaurants, which was free, filter it out, and then you run a heat exchanger from that motor uh, so that the, the motor, it's the, the heat from the, the engine is heating up the vegetable oil to thin it out. So you're bringing your viscosity down. Then you literally just pump the stuff str- straight into the, <laughs> into the motor and run your car on it. Wow. And fun, fun and interesting thing there is we, we did it for our, for our band's vehicle, like researched on the internet, <laughs> found all these parts, and we did it so we could save money touring. We're like, man, this is actually saving us a ton of money. This could be a good business. And we thought... We knew lots of people drove pickup trucks that consumed lots of diesel. Yeah. So we had this cool uh, fuel tank for the, in the back of the, the pickup truck, like those ones you see at Tractor Supply, where you can you know, carry an extra 50, 100 gallons. And then we had uh, kits for like a Mercedes Benz, like these old, old school Mercedes Benz. And we thought it was going to be mostly like hippie kids that wanted to do good for the environment. It was almost all farmers, man. Like, was it really? They, they're, you know, they're great business people, and they saw the opportunity of like, wow. I put a lot of miles in my truck, and I can save a ton of money. By, by putting this conversion kit on there. Wow. That's interesting. So, so you're basically, it sounds like, in college, finishing college, in a band, um, you've got an internet business that's a dumpster fire. You've got a, uh, a mechanic, a car mechanic business, and then you've developed this, this whole biodiesel type of vegetable oil use and, and mainly selling it to farmers. That's uh, that's right, and and it may sound romantic from the outside, but what that really meant is I was either practicing guitar, uh, living in a car, or cranking wrenches. Right? <laughs> like I came home from work every day covered in diesel because I had to work on fuel systems. And yeah. So my my now wife just absolutely hated that job. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's great! Wow. Well, all of that, the thing that kind of ties all that together, I guess, is really, man, you've got a you've got a real driving entrepreneurial spirit, don't you? I, I, I guess that's fair. I, I don't think about myself in that way. I just like to do things. I like to create. Huh. I, I, you know, I, Garrett, our, our COO and I, our COO here at Acre Trader, one, one of my best friends, uh, we, we talk a lot about this idea of consumption versus creation hmm. and that we as individuals uh, default to consuming, Right. I want to go watch Netflix shows. I want to go veg out on the couch and, you know, have a bourbon or, or few and eat potato chips. Uh, but it, th- those aren't necessarily good for me. Uh, not just the chips, but the Netflix itself. Yeah. And so really try to create rules and systems for myself because I don't have much self-discipline to not be a consumer, mm. to, to spend my life creating and working, which is really, really rewarding, right? We, we all know that feeling. Even if it's just a long day of work, you come home exhausted, but you feel really good, right? Like, wow, I did something today. And and pursuing that feeling of creation is something that 
has, um, I guess, been a lifelong passion. So, mm. entrepreneurial spirit, maybe, I don't know. I just, I like doing stuff, man. Is land important to each of us? Does the relation to land enhance our lives? The ever acceleration of life speeds past, leaving us drained and removed. Recapturing the link to nature and land restores a groundedness that stabilizes and regenerates. The connection to land is vitally important as it provides a sense of place. At Seasons Podcast, our purpose is to educate people about land investment with the goal of seeing a hundred people who don't currently own land become landowners. Our method is helping people reconnect with land through hearing other people's stories. Connect with us on our socials. Follow us on Twitter at Seasons Podcast One. To join the Seasons community on LinkedIn, search groups for Seasons Podcast. To get more information about land brokerage, conservation, development, and management, visit our website at delta-farmland.com. And finally, let us hear about your land investment story. Email us at seasons100owners at gmail.com. Your story is important. People's stories are important. Thank you for sharing this time with us. <laughs>